Airing from the No Sponsorship Studios, this is Buddy Walk with Jesus, where real life and the kingdom of God connect. Now, your hosts, Joe and Edgar. Father, we thank you for today, for all that you've held for us special and the promises that you've given us, Father, that we are, we're able to receive and some we might not have been able to. Father, you journey alongside us and you understand what weighs us down, what lifts us up better than we do ourselves, Father. You know us intimately, Father, and you know when we hold back. Father, I just pray we would run to you with abandon, that we would forget all else and come to you, come sit before you, enjoy your presence, relish you, adore you, and love you. Father, your manifest presence is a glory unto itself, Father, and you honor your name by being the God you are. I just pray right now we would be able to see that for the truth it is, even if it's in just some small way, we are able to touch the hem of that garment. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, guys, what is up? Welcome back to Buddy Walk with Jesus. As always, we want you guys to know two things at the start that you are prayed for and that you are loved deeply. Uh, quick reminder, you can find us on Facebook now. We, um, we have joined the Facebook community. Um, so you can find us there and for all the links, for all the things to um, support the ministry, to engage with the community, um, you can find all of that over at buddywalkwithjesus.com. Um, also, if you are in need of prayer, do not hesitate to reach out prayer at buddywalkwithjesus.com. So last week, um, just to to a quick reminder, we ended up having a conversation about uh, some of the issue that arises, that can arise amongst differing uh, belief systems, how easy it is to end up with different people believing different things in different aspects of of this whole Christian thing, and some of the doubts and, and more of a conversational-based episode of addressing some major doubts and stumbling blocks that can pop up um in the realms of trying to decipher what is true truth in trying to decipher in trying to decipher easy for me to say um what what is truth if any of it's truth so last week edgar i, I there was so much value there to listen to um an older saint try to art articulate processing all of this and processing humanity and you know standing in resolute confidence and all of that um i i have found i never realized how much of an issue it was going to be for me psychologically as a christian to know what i know about my my past life and how easy it was and i i i talk about it you know that that it was easy for me to be able to fly under the radar and all of those things but when you extrapolate that out that's a really tough thing to reconcile because you realize how easy it is to get into the routine and how meaningless the routine is it's it's one of those things that that the components of the routine are not the thing 
that is meaningless. I'm not trying to say that. But it's hard to um, really contemplate what it means to get past that level, firmly and completely get past that level, and get to this um, experiential level. I know that that's a word that, that kind of gets a, a weird rap. It's got some weird flavoring to it in today's world. That not there's a lot. That's a word that makes a lot of Christians um, uncomfortable. But it seems like to me, it's not an either or sort of thing. It's not about dogma and rules and theology over experiencing relationship with God. Just like it's not about experiencing relationship with God at the sacrifice of good theology and sound doctrine. You know these two these two things go hand in hand. From my perspective, and one thing that has helped me be able to reconcile the reality of all of this is understanding that this whole thing goes deeper than Sunday morning, than just trying to be a good Christian, right? There are so many Christians that you listen to, I'm just trying to be a good Christian and talk about what they, you know, what they do. And it's, you know, like that, that base level stuff. It's so funny to hear Dallas Willard talk about the people who strive for base minimum. It's just, you, there's a little bit of shade and a little bit of salt to it. You know what I mean? Hey, he knows me very well. <laughs> but it's, it seems like the key to the proverbial kingdom is to understand that that's exactly it the gimmick is the kingdom that's the good the good news of the kingdom of god and when you know we we just came off of a it's so funny i i get this i get this opportunity to listen to you discuss these different things and i don't always think about it until after after the fact and i'm and i'm taking it in again and i'm i'm editing the audio and all of that kind of stuff that we just went through a dissection pun intended of the anatomy and how we interact with with the, with the kingdom and how we are conduits for god and that that's the key that's the secret sauce is really with really living it seems like is engaging at that point Yes, yeah. There was a, and it came to me earlier when you were talking, there was one of those right brain, left brain kind of tests, which one are you? Right. And I took it, figuring I would land on one side more than the other. And it was a 50-50. And I told my wife this test, now she would get the art side. I think that's the left or the right side. I can't remember the creative side. She's definitely far more creative than I. And I told her about that. She goes, no, it was right. <laughs> it's like, I've seen like a flat line, not quite as a heartbeat, but you know, to me, and I guess, I guess it says something about the way I, I guess I'm not like other people. And I think other people say the same thing too. So this is not unique to me. Sometimes we just feel odd because we experience us as anomalies no one gets what we're going through no one understands but the neat thing is if we stop to think about it and you touched on this is um in referring back is if we look at ourselves as how god interacts with us you know it's very unique it is specifically designed for how joe thinks how joe communicates 
And you know, everybody learns this because sometimes we don't know how to be quiet. But once we become quiet before God, we can hear Him clearer. I went through this, but it took me like 20, 30 years. So I, I say you're ahead of the game on this. It may not feel like that, but you know what? Even at, I'm going to say even at my age, and I'm not the oldest person on the planet, um, but you've, we feel still, we still feel new at this. And it's an interesting, I want to say, mindset to be in. God can use us. Yeah, that is humbling and fascinating and a whole lot of other things all wrapped up into one. When you talk about how delicate the human ego can be, and you're saying, okay, the ego has to die in order in order for this, this relationship to work and for you to actually be able to humble yourself to the point of understanding how how the structure actually works you know we're we're set to think that we're the most important thing in the world that's just how our how the human mind is is preset to so you have to break that down and say that you're not the most you're not the most important person in the story and having that happen is and and going through the process i don't think that ever just happens I mean, I'm sure somebody could point to somebody in, in history or in present day that's like, nope, this is an example of somebody that it just happened for. And uh, blessings to you. That's wonderful if that's the, if that's the, the case. Um, but far more often, it would seem like that's not a destination. That's a process. That's a refining. That is a whole lifetime's worth of work in essence dying to self to find out who we really are through christ's words of being able to um pick up what he has designed us to be because sometimes we forget that we we the, i think the word ego keyed it off for me is sometimes we think we're this person who is totally ourselves but it was a person that came out of a corrupt world system, corrupt nurturing, corrupt, and we could have had the best parents, the best everything. It still would be corrupt, fallen system. And it's not the way that God, it's not the, the, the best that God has for us. He has much more than this world could ever allow us to become. And we don't have to surrender that God's best for us by saying you know i need to give up who i am we're going to what god wants for us we're going to the best you know things that god has for us and that calls for transformation it's an interesting thing to think that somehow we lose who we are in dying to ourselves to pick up our cross to follow christ he he desires us for a reason and there is something about him that says and he says this and sometimes people have an issue with this you have value to me and that value is something that he's got his image is on us so that value is there and it it, it is it it design hmm, the, the the only way i can phrase it 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 demands respect because it's God's stamp mark. It's, it's the same way if you had something treasured um, from a relative who died, you wouldn't want that item to be destroyed or thrown in the garbage. 
you know, you, you would look, you know, if you, if you love this person, by the way, uh, you would want to cherish it, keep it, put it on a shelf or something like that. So this is the same thing with God, what God has done for us. He, and it's, it, it's a weird kind of thing because he makes us and that's a reverential thing that God made man in his image. God made man in his image, not like he formed them out of the ground and they were just dirt beans you know, like the animals, there's something different about that. And that calls an awareness. And so every person who's going through bad, horrible times, that you have to have that foundation that God is involved. Even if you don't want him, he is involved in who you are, in your being, in your existence, regardless of how you feel towards him. It's a fact. And when you can come into really realize He's invested in you, even if you're not. What does that mean? How do you accept that? How do you reconcile that? Yeah, yeah. Um, I feel like I've heard a lot of stories over time of Christians that are longer in the tooth, that spend most of their time, most of their lives, missing the fact that it goes beyond just reverence that that relationship isn't just one of fear and reverence that the god that created everything also knows you and loves you that's mind-blowing to think about and when you think about belief structures christianity is the only one that can offer that sort of one-on-one relationship you know what i mean And I feel like I have been seriously blessed with how upfront and in my face God has made that since having my come to Jesus moment, having me around the right people that, that, that are talking about that kind of thing in the right situation, all of that, that because it's, it's, it's heartbreaking to think about how many people go i i I understand it it sounds like i make a lot of jokes about older christians and like i'm saying it with like a like a half like a half a grin sort of thing but really i recognize that this is that there's no guarantee that you won't live your life or whole life without hearing the truth that god loves you and that blows my mind And we're not just talking about people who have never heard the gospel. We're talking about people that grew up in the church and they still haven't figured that one out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's an interesting thought. And the, there's a, one of the things Jesus said, and I'm going to paraphrase it a little for him who has ears to hear, let him listen. Um, A lot of times we can hear someone say, God loves you. And it means nothing, 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 nothing. Um, and that could be the messenger. They could be wrapped up in some kind of stuff. But I think like I react when someone phrases something in a way that hits me, whether it's at a certain time or I'm just in a real listening posture or something. And I can pick up on it um, like it's a special whisper from God. And I think as Christians, we could be, oh, can I say God whispers? 
<laughs> oh, that might be the wrong way because we're talking to people about God. But you know what I mean. So we can just say a truth in a way that sparks something in a, in a person's life. But by the way, the verse that I was looking for, I did finally find it. It's, a, it's Matthew 16, 25, for whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And what I find about that is that in finding God and in surrendering to him, we find what we're called to be. And that's what I was trying to say before. I don't know if it's clearer now or not, but the uniqueness of God is intertwined in our discovering of him. And then we discover what he means us to be, not what we are in the world or through the corrupt world system, because that can take up too much real estate. In Like in my head, it could take up too much real estate and I don't want that. I want to be able to think of what God thinks. And, and the interesting thing is when we look at how God looks at us, when, when I look at how God looks at me, one of the things that happens on a subconscious level is it gives me a goal. So where am I not calibrated? Where am I veering off course? If I'm constantly looking to how God sees me, and this is through his word, through listening to him, meditating on him, listening to what he has to say, prayer that we talk about, listening, we can hear where we're off. And I've said it before, you know, God will say, you know, you didn't really handle that the best way. And he doesn't have to speak it harsh. He's not like those um, stereotypes that people have, the angry God with lightning coming out of his finger for the person who steps one inch out of line. Well, and that's the fascinating thing is we see those kinds of depictions, but like what you're what you are describing is the Greek myth of Zeus, of the angry um, over God that is, you know, willing and ready to strike down anybody who says or does the wrong thing. And that's the same kind of relationship that's the same kind of way that some people treat God. Yeah, yeah. This is definitely, but you know what? A lot of times they, their source for this picture is not God. The source of this picture is for someone who told them about God in an imperfect way or put out an imperfect theology. The angry God who doesn't just take you out, but he takes the surrounding area as well, just to finalize it. Um, and it's not a good place to be in, you know. The, the way Jesus presented it, I think, is the way to go. And that was simply honor God, you know, glorify his name, Love others as you love yourself and destroy the works of the enemy. Very simple as that. I think we've overcomplicated that message. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Definitely. So now, Joe, I have a topic because I'm really interested on in your take on, and I, I could put it broadly, but what is your thought about, I'm going to say, Christian man or a godly man in today's world? how they connect with each other and all the ins and outs for someone who's approaching midlife crisis. Oh, I think that we live in a time where it's weird. I see parts of what society is trying to do 
and then I see other parts and I'm like, okay, there, there's, there's a little granular, granular pieces to this that I'm like, okay, yes, men, sh this should be a society where a man can express himself and express emotion and express issue and things like that and not be looked at like they're doing it wrong. That definitely 100%. Um, obviously the world does not play by our playbook. So obviously they're going to take it off into an entirely different direction where it need not go. But the point is, um, I think that there is some baked in truth to certain stereotypes. And by that, I mean, there are certain stereotypes for a guy, for a head of household, especially if we're talking about from a Christian perspective. And there is an accountability in the leadership sense that comes along with being the head of household. I understand that makes some people very uncomfortable because that is a, situ that is a topic and situation that has been taken all kinds of bad ways by all kinds of people over mankind's existence so i and, and so i get that i understand that some people for some people they, that might be hard but there is a leadership quality that's essential to being there and i think that we've entered in a time where it's been, never been easier for men to not have to um accept the role and responsibility of that that doesn't mean wearing flannel shirts and working on cars that doesn't mean stere those kinds of stereotypes about guys but God called us to do things that the wife, that women were not called to do. Just like women were called to do things that most men wouldn't know the first thing about being able to do. And so I would go as far as to say that if you are going to stand up and say, um, I, I am a... I am a Christian man. I'm a Christian husband. I am a Christian father. And it could be any one of the, any individual one of those and, or a combination of those three. And the point still stands that we are called to, um, a heightened sense of response. I think just ingrained as men, you have a responsibility. I think even before you start to touch into what the Bible calls of us, that even at just at a base minimum as a guy, that's me. But even before I became a Christian, I held some of these, these roles and responsibilities in mind and things like that. But especially for Christians, that whole thing changes because we're biblically called to it. We're biblically called to, called to a um a sacrificial love we're we're called to being head of household being a leader not a not a, a dictator which unfortunately those two things get a little skewed sometimes but it's important to remember that as we go down this road of you know there's a lot of good that's happening in the world right now about all things becoming equal as far as people go regardless of what your anatomy is or what color your skin is i think there's some really really good stuff happening but regardless of how far we go down that road we can't lose sight of what is status quo as far as as far as men go like what the bible says is 
the, the, the way forward, regardless of going above and beyond or anything else like that. Just what is what is this, the status quo for just being on the right side of normal? Mm-hmm. Let me ask you a question. Mm-hmm. Since you've been married, I'm going to put it at 21, just a little bit over maybe months. How has your perspective changed on the role of a husband? You know, before you got married and now, what's that journey been like for you? So this is going to sound like I'm cracking jokes, but being a husband is a 24-hour job. And being a husband, everything changes. The way that the way that life shakes out, the way that you, what your priorities are, what your desires are, what your plans are, all of it. Every single bit of it changes. And... I, it, there's, it's a little bit of a tongue-in-cheek way of saying it, but in other words, being a husband is a choice every single day to step up to the plate. Even when you don't feel like it, even when you know, you're, you're upset about a thing or there's something going on or whatever, it is still your job to step into that partnership and be active there every day yes i agree with that there's a there's a you know i and for me i find being a husband is part of my identity yeah who i am being a father is who i am and it's funny even though we went through a very rocky time in our marriage during those times i had a co-worker actually complain to me says, do you have to continually talk about your family? (laughs) Not everyone has it that good. Okay. (laughs) So maybe I'm that guy. I don't know. But it was funny that I did this without really knowing that I always shared about my family. Because basically my family at work, my life turns out to be work and family. Those are the two worlds that make up my life. And it is a lot of who I am, right. there is demand on there. There's no anyone who te- anyone who has another person depending on them will tell you there's demand. That's just the way it is. Yep. But I get to have that. I choose to have that. You know, I went through a process of learning that going from I have to do this to I get to do this. So uh, that comes with God's work you know, God transforming you. God's work is to, you know, make you transformed into even more like his son. Um, And, you know, sometimes that feels uphill. I mean, that's just the truth of it. Uh, But I find the opportunity to really look at relationships differently can help me understand myself. Which relationships do I value? You know, do I have as many male friends as I had when I was younger? Eh, no, but the ones I feel I do have are more quality. Um, they're not focused around an event or um, I want to say going out kind of things or, you know, the social interactions. I'm pretty much a homebody by choice. Um, a lot of that is because I always feel tired, but, you know, God's trying to <laughs> rip that identity from me. But we we as a as a body of christ do need each other and we also need to respect each other there are people 
who do come from different lines, different cultures, different um, journeys that meet God and say, find out, hey, you know what? I'm not in sync. And if we respect that journey, we can show them in a way that allows them to become in sync. And they do this at what's called a rave where they hop up and down. I, I'm sure you guys have seen this where one person starts hopping and then the people are out of sync and then all of a sudden somehow they all come into sync whatever that thing is called that phenomena that's what the body has to have and it's called unity and unity is very hard when we think our distinctive voices are the only voices i find this sometimes a difficult challenge i probably more so many years ago, and by that I mean like 10 years ago. Um, but I've learned that the way to find, fight making your voice the most heard one is by listening. Yeah. And when you listen, you find out a lot of things. And A, one of them is how much things can rub you the wrong way or how well they can exhort you. But what's interesting is you can hear somebody talk and pick on something they thought was hidden about themselves that they didn't want to reveal to anybody. You know, where somebody's thinking like, I can't do it anymore. I just can't. And you pick up on it and you're able to come alongside them and you don't have to have perfect words. You know, how can I support you? Or, hey, you want to grab a cup of coffee? These things are so meaningful. And we don't realize how simple words in community can help lift up somebody i read in a book and it's called the five the five somethings of a dysfunctional team i can't remember what that word was and in it he told a story of a, a young man who was you know probably 30 something he was a manager and he had a difficult he was going through a difficult process but he decided he was going to talk to his re direct reports and say hi to them. How are they doing? And get involved in, you know, what we call chit chat. And one of the workers had been so affected by his getting and giving an interest. Mind you, they weren't going out having, you know, coffee or what people do. They were going this in the office talking that when the boss's birthday came, this young man who was younger than the boss got him one of those game consoles and he was surprised by it. And he found out that this was, he used the money that he was saving for a handgun so he could commit suicide. We do not know what kind words will do. We may never know. But speaking life, as James says, is a priority for the person who believes in, in Jesus. Now, I know there have been many times where I did not speak life. It's called speaking death. Um, and if you have a sarcastic streak, or as I call it, skill set, um, you can really do some damage very easily. Um, and it takes a lot to unlearn that. And I had to go through a process of not saying, oh, I won't be sarcastic. I won't be sarcastic. I'll hold my tongue. I'm going to let that one slide. No, it was coming to, to know who the Lord is, coming to really 
what's the word? It's value him, but that's not the right word. Where I decided, and this is happening on a, a subliminal or unconscious level, to change because I wanted to be like him. I wanted to um, show him that I valued him by taking on his traits. And we do this as relationships. We pick up mannerisms and everything. So it's an easy thing for us to do if we spend time with the person. And so we know that God is a person and that the Holy Spirit is a person, Jesus is a person, the Father is a person, three persons in one. There is nothing to hold us back from being in his presence. Seeing, and you can see without your physical eyes, what God is doing and how he cares for us. You can read it in scripture. When you allow yourself to get engaged with what the Bible is saying, the words, and how he's interacting, where he was moved with compassion, where he reached out, the widow's mind, all these wonderful stories, just unveil the personhood of God. You can see that you are being sucked in to a world you don't want to leave. And it changes you. When you come back, something is different. Let me ask you something. How long into your marriage would you was the point where you would say definitively you knew your wife? Well, I would say, you know, at our most critical point where it was really the worst is when I finally got that door to open up and say, I knew my wife. Because up till then, it was all resistance. Right. You know, there's that saying that marriage is 50-50. It's the biggest lie ever. Yeah. It's 100%. Because yeah. um, you will decide what is 50%. Right. You will That's stake your very and you will decide, yeah. 50%. Yeah. So I began to discover my wife 16 years into my marriage. Now I knew all these things about her before. I knew her birthday and I knew her anniversary date. Um, but I knew her favorite color. I knew her art styles. I knew a lot of information, but a lot of information is not knowing right. the person. You know, a lot of people know these celebrities, but they don't know the person that is under that celebrity persona. So discovering a person can be a lifelong journey. Um, and I would definitely say 16 years into my marriage, I was beginning to discover her. You know, I knew her fears before, but now I was able to see how, what makes her grow, what makes her lively. And you know, we could say we knew that beforehand, but there's a big difference. Well, it's like seeing her now in true color HD yeah. and everything. That doesn't mean it's perfect. Right. That means that you're side by side. I have learned over the last year plus being our newlywed time, being a pandemic, being lockdown, being time where you took two people who had such a hard time communicating or being vulnerable and forced them into a situation where they had to communicate and be vulnerable. And one of the things that I've learned um, on a very major level over the last year or so um, is the fact that 
the illustration of marriage and our relationship with God is not just hyperbole. That's not just a poetic statement and a poetic musing. One of the hardest things about being married for both my wife and I is learning how to be truly and completely vulnerable around another person. Because both of us came into this with trust issues, with, you know, keeping people at, you know, there was always a layer that nobody ever saw. And in order for a marriage to work, I've learned very, very quickly. And this is still something that is a work in progress. So it's not like I, you know, do this perfectly all the time. But I have figured out that it is 100% a necessary point to learn to be and to stay vulnerable. Because you cannot have that. You cannot pull that away and have that layer in marriage. That doesn't work. And God has shown me that this is the kind of relationship that God wants with us. And that that's different than, than just following the Christian ways. You know what I mean? That's so different than just going to church on a Sunday. That's not, I don't rag on these things because I'm ragging on these things because they do a lot of good for a lot of people. That's not the point. The point is that it's not just about Sunday. It's not just about doing like, you know, praying before a meal. Like this is, this is deep and this is rich and this is every day. You know what I mean? And that's something that I so look forward to growing into as a husband is that same kind of cuz if everything else is a is a is a correlation point then that tells me that there's a there's a level there of being able to step in and say this is rich and this is dynamic and this is every day and I get to live in this place every single day seems like you were in the express lane <laughs> yeah exactly exactly and you know, we, we joked about it at first, but very quickly, like we joked about the fact that, you know, seeing, especially right before the lockdown actually started and all of that, and kind of seeing that this was going to be a thing. But we very quickly realized, especially as you start to add in every other thing that that year had and just exactly how it all played out for us, that this was God putting us exactly where we needed to be, even if it was uncomfortable. You know what I mean? Like we talk about these silver lining moments, right? Where it's not a good thing that's happening on a, on a wide scale, but God can 100% use the bad things that are happening and bring them together for, for good. And this is, seems like this was exactly that kind of thing you know we were talking before about kingdom how often have you heard me talk about wanting my burning bush how bad how often have you heard me talk about like okay if god could just like just peel back the curtain just a little bit just to be like hey like this is a thing you know all of that 
And then I'm sitting here and I'm listening to what you talked about over the, the, um, the course of the anatomy and I reflect on what I read in the scriptures and I, I reflect on what it means to be a part of the kingdom and you realize that that is exactly what God is giving us. You know, no, I don't have a bush on fire in front of me, but we have the opportunity to interact with the divine every single day and to embark on that every single day. And I can see where you almost, you know, be careful what you wish for because you just might get it sort of thing, because that requires you to be exactly that vulnerable. You have to be vulnerable in order to be in the kind of position to be receiving of that insight. It's one thing to sit there and say, I could sit there and say, oh, I'm ready. I'm ready for this. I can do this. I can do this, that, or the other thing. And I can sit here and tell you all of the ways about how I'm ready, but not actually be ready be, be, below the surface. There's nothing there that actually is ready to receive that. And that's an important part of the whole thing. It's the same thing with marriage, right? You have to be willing to receive love from your partner and not push that away and not close up and not guard yourself and all of those kinds of things. You have to be open and receptive as much as you are giving and participatory. Wow. Good stuff. Yeah. I do want to ask, and I know you talked in the beginning, um, how do you, how do you connect with other guys in a meaningful relationship that builds one another? I think that authentic relationships, a lot of times for guys are walking through what other people would call the mundane day to day like just walking through the paces together just doing doing life together you know what i mean like it doesn't yeah there's the joke that if you put you know if you have guys together and you have food there then you're gonna have a turnout and all of that kind of stuff i get it but it doesn't have to be um super refined and it doesn't have to be super structured and all of those kinds of things because i think guys if they can relate and if they can feel like they can be themselves without being judged for anything then i think you're going to eventually see the genesis of um interaction and relationship and things like that because one interaction means two interactions and so on and so forth now let me ask you a question if you can if the situation i'm not sure how you said it but i'm going to put it this way um where you judge a a hmm, trying to remember the phrasing you use judge a person on the interaction have you ever felt like what what it what it was like when you misjudged let's say one person and then later on you go on and then you find out that that judgment was wrong in the in the in the context of another guy you know do you have a situation like that occurred yeah um i i have struggled with prematurely closing myself off 
and that might happen that I either make a snap judgment or I am sarcastic and prickly and all of that kind of thing. Um, there have been situations where I have either come to a conclusion unfairly about somebody or heard something that they had to say and pretty much closed my ears off. You know, and you realize after the fact that, hey, I didn't do right by that person. I didn't give an opportunity to see, you know, to hear that person out or to see what they actually stood for or anything like that. I was too busy focused on what my perspective of the entire thing, even if it's my perspective of them. And how did that turn out afterwards? I have realized um, far not in the not too distant past, if I'm being honest, the importance of reconciliation and the importance of entering a posture of either forgiveness or or that kind of vulnerability like we talked about you know there's really two very distinct camps in this world right now either men shouldn't be vulnerable and that's not okay or an effort to feminize men and make and and completely turn around everything that that what what ma- male malehood is so you end up with this this weird in between a, a lot of the time and so it's not again i go back to especially if you have spent more time in the secular world than you have the christian world it is very very easy to get stuck in this place of not you almost are more comfortable doubling down on the whatever that negative interaction was and trying to justify it to, to a certain degree than you are to open up and put yourself out there and either reconcile or explain what you did or try it again like try to you know try the interaction again whatever um and, and i say all that to say that i'm finding that when i am man enough to do that when I am a big enough person to do that, when I am engaged enough and, and will and humble enough to, to do that, there is a work that God does in me as well as the other person. You know, you don't know what effect your words or snap judgment or whatever had on that person. That's half of it. Like you were talking about before about the story about the game console and the handgun. It, it's that there's that same kind of translation point here but also in the person who softens themselves and humbles themselves and admits that they got that they did wrong there's also an opportunity there for God to be able to work in that person's heart as well i think that's why we get called into a posture of forgiveness so that's something as often as we do so that's something that i i ha- it is a very present thing that god is working with me in and understanding that generally speaking that when it's that's that's a me thing when we get when i get to that point with somebody else that it has way more to do with my heart posture and where i'm at 
than what the other person did and so um and and the importance of of addressing that um again do i get that right all the time absolutely not uh, i i this is not especially when you've when you have been through the ringer as a guy specifically i'm sure females have their own version of this something akin to what i'm about to say but very specifically uh that uh, this is coming from the male perspective that it is okay to screw up it is i promise it's okay to make mistakes it you can make a mistake and god is not the angry dad with the, with the thunderbolts getting ready to fry you because you did wrong and that me and and if it's something that you struggle with you don't rest on your laurels and say, "Oh, if I if I'm gonna get it wrong sometimes, then I'm just not gonna do it." Nope, that's the enemy. That's a trap. That there's nothing good that comes from from that posture. But when you mess it up, be humble enough to admit the fact that you did it wrong because in that that you messed that up, and be willing enough with yourself to face that and to move on, to forgive yourself too. And not hold yourself up to an unrealistic standard. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. That calls to mind. I was challenged, and this goes back to everything we already talked about. By, I'm sort of trying to avoid getting into too much specifics. I basically had a difficult time with someone in my church back then, many years ago, which I won't name because it, you know. You might say who it is, but I I realized that, and I'm, I, everybody's coming up, and it was one of those New Year's Eve things where people come up and say things that have changed or testimonies like that. And I, I talked about how you know relationships are difficult, and you know do do I want to be right? Or do I want to offer forgiveness? What's my motivation, basically, is what I was saying. And I said, I, I want to offer forgiveness. I didn't say anything about specific per, uh, person or anything. That person decided to come up and give a testimony and response about that because, and he even alludes to my testimony on that. Um, and he says stuff. He says his testimony, and that causes another person to come up and follow him based on his testimony, where she says things. And as she's talking, she says a line that she was, I guess, giving forgiveness to the guy who spoke, and he had hurt their family. He made her father cry. And that's a little bit specific, but that's the part that inside me said, oh my goodness, he abused a child. And I sat there while people were applauding testimonies, sitting like a person out of sync. I could not, it just, I was floored, I really was. And. I went and asked him specifically because he's 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 always claimed he was an open book, um, and so I asked him about that, and he could neither confirm nor deny. That set me 
on a, I don't want to say mission, on a journey of making sure that nothing happened inappropriately. And at one point, I had to come to the challenge that, and I, and, and this is after speaking with people in, in the legal profession. It's not my fight. Right. It's not my fight. It was an uncomfortable situation. And the thing is, we I've said it before that God loves even the most terrible human being. Right. Um, and that's a truth, regardless of how I feel at times. He loves them. He loves them dearly. And I was challenged that I could mess up what God is doing in this person's life because I was taking up a cause that was not mine to take up. The issue was not a current issue. Uh, there has been no indication that it was a current issue. And mind you, I did my due diligence and I'll leave it at that. So when we feel justified, are we willing to step aside for God? That was a challenge that I faced. And mind you, I went as far as I could and that's only because God had to let me know. And he understood my heart. It wasn't like I was out to harm him or physically harm him. I might have emotionally harmed him. I don't know. Um, or or, or, or bring a retribution upon him. Isn't that the thing, though, with 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 men, with with human being men? There's a very, very fine line between justice and revenge, and we almost always cross it. Yeah, and, and the thing is, the difficult thing is when it's a just cause. And a just cause doesn't mean that it's justice in God's eyes. Um, and I want to be careful with that. Uh, I don't, I'm not meaning it blatant, because God may have a purpose, a destiny, a plan for the person um, that can impact the kingdom of God in immense ways, because he's not the first and not the last. Right. Um, but through Christ, all this can end yeah. for generations to come. And I can't lose the sight of that. My version of that has been periodically over the last um, 14 plus months um, taking up a crusade against everybody jumping on Facebook calling and, and in every public eye and especially Christians standing up and talking about how people are just scared and about how this is all just one one giant government conspiracy and all of those kinds of things and that was a very hard thing for me because it came to a point where I did not want anything to do with the community with the with the larger whole it very much damaged the way that I was willing to operate I was putting up boundaries on how I was willing to operate among other people because 
even if you were not quote unquote guilty in my eyes, I, I wasn't willing to take the risk that you could end up being somebody who would start spouting off about that stuff. So I just closed closed down. I didn't want anything to do with anybody. That's why I talk about how um, a combination of Kingdom on the Road and Biblical Chili were both like relationship counseling between myself and the church and being willing to open myself up to some kind of degree going forward and taking a step back and realizing that like we talked about um, before, right? There are so much influence that the things that we go through has on the way that we process God. And that is different for different people. And if I step in and pick a fight where it's not my fight, then I'm jumping in where I'm, I'm stepping on God's toes. I, I don't know what I'm messing up or doing or interfering with might be a better word. Uh, on a level beyond me and beyond what I know of the situation or them. All right, guys, that's a wrap for this week. Tune in next week as we continue on this conversation. For now, let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this opportunity to be able to come together as believers and to be able to comb over the things of God, to be able to really dig into how we can live in this world and push forward the kingdom. Father, I pray blessing over everybody listening, that your love and your peace be over everybody. Father, I thank you for who and what you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in to Buddy Walk with Jesus. For more information, check us out at buddywalkwithjesus.com. Look for us on Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and a review. You can also find us on Discord at the Buddy Walk community for prayer and fellowship. And lastly, if you check out the episode description, we have a listener support link and we would love your support for this ministry. As always, know that you are prayed for and know that you are loved.